Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. We are in week number three of our series, Crazy Makers. And in this series, we're learning how to deal with the crazy makers in our lives and find peace in our relationships. We've, our series verse today comes out of chapter, uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 32. Um, and it says this, Jesus said, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? He's basically saying, that's easy. Even the sinners love those who love them. He's challenging us. Jesus is challenging us that in order to be mature in our faith, in order to be um, the person that God is calling us to be, we not only have to interact well with the people that we agree with, that we like, that are nice to us, we have to learn to interact well with the people that are crazy as crap. Because you got him. Everybody's got that cousin Eddie that shows up to the funeral, or shows up to, not the funeral, sometimes Thanksgiving feels like a funeral. <laughs> Please don't show up to the funeral, Cousin Eddie. Uh, everybody has that Cousin Eddie, right, that rolls up in his RV and plants it right outside of your house. And you're like, I didn't even know you were coming. If I did, I wouldn't be here myself. But, and they bring chaos with them. And you're like, I don't, even, I don't even know how to deal with you right now. And I hope that today you're going to get a little bit of a... Um, Wisdom on how to deal with the cousin Eddie's in your life. Because relationships can be super tricky to navigate. But we have to remember what the Bible tells us, that you don't have to be perfect, right? You don't have to, you don't have to, like, God doesn't require perfection from us. You're going to slip up and you're going to, you know, you might say a little cuss word to cousin Eddie every now and then. You might, you might give him the one finger salute as you're driving off, you know what I mean? But God asks us not to be perfect, but as we navigate difficult relationships, he just tells us that we can handle them better if we have wisdom. If we have wisdom, Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7 says this, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, (laughs) though it costs all you have, get understanding. So that's a weird translation, right? That's like so when they translated it, your Bible was originally, the second half of your Bible was originally written in Greek. And so sometimes you'll see words that look funny, and they're just trying to get the best meaning of the word. And sometimes they just, they just don't get the best one. So other versions say this, that um, your, your Old Testament, though, was written in, um, in Hebrew. That's like where Proverbs is in Hebrew. In Hebrew, the beginning of wisdom, what it's actually meaning, it's alluding to, like, this is the main thing. If you can focus on one thing, focus on getting wisdom because it costs a lot, but you need it, and then with your wisdom, get understanding. The title of today's message, if you're taking notes, you have a little note card there and a pen. Um, We love to take notes here. I'm a note taker on my messages. It is proven fact that if you write it down, you're going to have a better chance of remembering it in the future. But the title of today's message is Predetermined Peace predetermined peace. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start off today by identifying those various types of people in our lives that just drive us nuts, drive us crazy. And then we're going to learn how we can set healthy, godly boundaries that are going to make those relationships better, or at least they're going to keep us from going crazy ourselves. 
So there's six types of difficult people. There's probably like a whole lot more, right? Nobody's going to just fall into one of these categories. It may just be, you may have the, the cousin that, or the uncle that is none of these, but he's far worse. Or she, like she can be bad too, but everybody knows that um, women are perfect, right? Like, I'll pay for that one later. Um, she in here, oh, thank God. All right, so six types of difficult people. Number one, you have, you have demanding people. You've got demanding people. These are like your little dictators. Like, you know you got them in your life. The ones that, you're like, wait a second, you got a little bit too big for your britches. You're, you forgot, like, my, like my, my wife will say one time, sometimes when she's messing around, she's like, you forgot who you're messing with. You forgot who you're dealing with. I ain't the one. So, but you have demanding people. You have the ones that they're bossy, they're pushy, they're controlling, they're insisting on their way. And if you don't give it to them, they're going to keep on bossing and pushing and controlling until you give in. And the problem is they're, they're like, they'll try to intimidate you, right? They're the, they're the intimidators that they like to dominate every single conversation. They like to be the, the center here and make sure that they're the ones that are controlling and pushing and moving. So, like, there's people that, I'm not saying I ever experienced this, but there will be people that will call you up and they'll be like, or they'll shoot you a text if you don't answer their call and they'll say, hey, I got problems. Like, my marriage is on the rocks. And I need you to pick up because I need you to fix this tonight. That's the life of a, of a pastor, and it's, it's a real fun one. But they'll be like, I need you to fix my marriage tonight. And, I'm, and I just want to pick up the phone and be like, listen, you have problems in your marriage for 25 years. They can wait till tomorrow. You know what I mean? Y'all don't think that's funny. All right, maybe it's just me. <laughs> but they make unrealistic demands on your time. They're pushy, they're bossy, they, they just don't care about anybody else's life except their own. They're the demanding people. Then you have the disapproving people. They're the nitpickers. They're like, nothing is right. You can do, you can do everything right and one thing wrong. I promise they'll be, they'll be the one to find the one thing that you did wrong. You're like, I just, I, just set up this whole, I just set up this whole banquet for everybody. And they're like, but where are the napkins? You're like, wipe it on your shirt. Whatever. They're picky, they're picky, they're critical. Your best is never good enough. They always want more, more, more. And uh, when it comes to like, you're never good enough, listen, fathers are the worst about this because you will never be good enough for their baby girl. They're like, they do not approve of the boyfriend. I, uh, I had to kind of earn my stripes when I was... Um, when I got into a relationship with my wife, I kind of had to earn my stripes right away because not everybody in the family necessarily approved of me. And they didn't really, there's some people that, I don't know, if, they're, if you're listening, I don't know, maybe you still don't like me. They might not still like me, I don't know. But their, their disapproving in-laws on both sides of the family can be like this too. But remember, it's not my mother-in-law because she's a treasure, okay? But there's in-laws that can be nitpick or they can be disapproving and they love to point out everybody's mistakes except for their own. You have disapproving people. Then number three, you have deafening people. Deafening people. These are like what we like to call the megaphones. Like they're the only ones that are going to be heard in the conversation. These are the talkaholics. They're the people that, that 
they talk at 120 decibels at every single conversation. If you guys don't know anything about sound, that's a, that's a lot of sound. That's like louder than it was in here today. Um, but they're talking. They're dominating every single conversation. These are the people you can never get off the phone with them. You can, never, you can like never give your opinion because they're too busy talking about theirs. You just want to be like, dude, breathe. I need to talk at some point. Like, you haven't taken a breath in 20 minutes. There's a point that I need to talk, and they'll, out, they'll outlast you, and it never fails. They're always talking about the things that you don't want to talk about. Politics, culture, religion. You're like, listen, dude, I just called you to see what you're making for Thanksgiving. Like, you're, talk- you're talking about whatever happened with the presidency and the vaccine and the trial and you, you're getting crazy. I'm just like calling to see, are you making sweet tea or are you making sweet tea? You know what I mean? Like, y'all know what I mean. Like if you can't taste the diabetes in that tea, you need to put a little more sugar in it. All right. Then you have number four, you have the destructive people. These are like volcanoes. They're <laughs> and the thing about them, they're, they're quiet, but until you never know when they're going to erupt. There's people that you have relationships that with, and these are the bottlers. And I gotta admit, I'm a bottler. Like, I'll bottle it up for till the last minute, and then everything comes out all in one moment. And I'm like, I didn't mean to say that, but I said it, and now I can't come back. They got a temper like Mount Vesuvius. They blow up. They explode. And what happens is that people start having to walk on eggshells around them because you don't want to say the wrong thing that's going to set them off. And there's going to be casualties following them wherever they go. <laughs> uh, these are like the road ragers, like the tailgate, the people that will drive this close to your car and then get mad at you for slowing down a little bit more. <laughs> you guys don't do that, do you? When somebody tailgates you, you don't slow down to prove a point. Is that just me? Cool. All right. Y'all are perfect. Thank God. Somebody else needs to get up here and preach because I'm not, I'm not doing it. But these are the road ragers. They'll snap in a minute. And they can't control themselves. They're dangerous. They wound the people around them. Then you have number five. You have discontented people. I don't know how to say this. These are the crybabies. These are the people like, nothing's ever right. They get their feelings hurt easy. Like you, They're touchy. They got so much emotion that they're putting out all the time. They're chronic complainers. And the worst thing about them is that they have this martyr complex. Like, Everything is, woe is me, like, oh my God. They, they act like they sacrifice everything, but they want you to feel bad for them about it. They tend to blame everybody else for their problems. But listen, you can't put the blame on anybody else because God's the one that owns my destiny. It's nobody else. I don't have to look to other people. I don't have to put the blame on other people for my life. God is the one that controls my destiny, and I have the yes or no to step into it or not. But they have this martyr complex because they like to get the attention when they whine, when they complain, when they play the victim, and they'll keep on doing it, and they'll keep on pulling and pulling. These are the discontented people. And then last, you have demeaning people. Demeaning people. Now listen, I know none of these are anybody in this room, but you're going to have to deal with them at some point. You have the demeaning people there, the cynical and sarcastic people in life that um, it doesn't matter what you say, they're going to say something back in a tone that makes you feel real bad about yourself. They're, they're bubble busters. You're like, you're like, hey, I just got a raise at work. I got a 3% raise at work. And they're like, is that it? You're like, Get out of here. 
They love to deflate you. They love to tear you down. They can be rude and insulting. They're, and you know what? Um, some of us have this same problem where someone will talk to us. They'll say something real stupid, okay? I'm going to be honest. Somehow I'll say something real stupid. I'm like, and I'll answer back with sarcasm. Like, y'all should, you should have known that. You, you said something real dumb. But the problem is, we can't act like that. We can't be disrespectful and petty and mean. You have these people, but they mask their own insecurity by trying to make you feel insecure about yourself. So that's where the sarcasm comes from. That's where the, the, uh, the cynicism comes from with the world. These are the demeaning people. So those are like six types of people that we have to deal with in life. Um, as we are going through that, you probably identified some of these people in your own life. And so uh, the good news is this is not where we're stopping with the message today. Okay, we're going to give some, we're going to uh, kind of give some healthy, godly boundaries that you guys can go through to deal with these people here. So there's this word, um, predetermined. The message the title of today's message is Predetermined Peace. And there are some things in life that you've got to predetermine how you're going to react. So what that means is that you've got to determine before it happens how you're going to respond when it happens. Because you know it's coming. You know it's going to happen. And you have to make this, the decision beforehand on how you're going to respond, how you're going to react. Because our predetermined um, our predeterminations are going to be filtered through what we consume throughout the week, too. Like, but you have to make that decision up front, right? Because when you're in the moment, when you're in the emotion, you're always going to respond the wrong way. You're always going to respond the wrong way. But our, our predetermined filters are they're going to be um, what we consume throughout the week. So what do I mean by that? I mean, if throughout the week you consume drama-filled shows violent shows, vulgar music, if you engage in unhealthy relationships that are just like thriving on drama, your response is most likely going to be drama-filled. Why? Because you have just trained your brain. You've literally trained your brain to thrive on drama and controversy, even if you don't know it. You're watching all these shows, you're like, listen, you're watching Mari, and you're like, oh... He ain't the father. Like, you're, you, you're thriving on these drama-filled shows, these, these show, um, the real housewives of Hollywood and all of these things. Like, you've got your mind trained to thrive on these things that you sit down and you have created pathways in your brain that find all this drama enjoyable. And so what is your brain going to do when you get into a situation that you have to react a certain way, it's going to say, well, you enjoy drama pretty much. Watch this. Like it's, your brain's going to say, hold my beer. <laughs> You're going to, it's okay. We can laugh in church, right? It's okay. It's all right. He said beer in church. I say a lot worse, I'm sure. Some people probably, <laughs> I don't cuss though. I just, I'll say beer and whiskey too, probably. I don't drink it, but I'll say it every now and then. Um, but you're, if you're, if your life is filled with drama, then your reactions are going to be filled with drama too because your brain says, this is something we enjoy. And so every time that you get into an opportunity for your brain to say, let's get a little more drama, it's going to, it's going to engage in that. We have to 
train our brain otherwise because your chemical makeup, like, it craves that if you, if you rewire your brain. Like, when you do things habitually over and over, what happens in your brain is that there are literally pathways carved between neurons, how, like how your brain thinks. That's why people can get in a rut and be so negative with everything because their brain is habitual. And it's like everything you say, it's going to the negative. And it'll be the same thing with drama. You've, tra- you've trained your brain to have a road map to find drama every single time. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It's always finding it way, its way back home, and it's going to be drama-filled. But Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this, Above all else. See, those are three very important words. Above all else means... Don't worry about anything else. Above everything else, you're striving, you're doing all these things, you're doing everything right. But above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. If your heart is sick, your life's going to be sick. If your heart is healthy, healthy things are going to come out of you. If your heart is drama-filled, if, you're, if your heart is uh, constantly thriving on controversy then it's going to be filled with drama and controversy. So we have to guard it. What do I mean by that? In order to have healthy predeterminations, you must guard your heart from unhealthy sources. What you watch, what you listen to, who you spend your time around, they will dictate more about your response than anything else in your life. We have to make predetermined decisions like, Make them beforehand. Make them before I get into the argument. I've got to predetermine that I'm not going to go there before I get in the argument because in the heat of the moment, I'm always choosing wrong because emotions are a powerful force in our lives. God created our emotions on purpose. Like, sometimes it doesn't feel like that, right? Sometimes my emotions are just running wild and they're going out of control, but God created emotions on purpose. He gave them to us, but emotions are meant to be led, not to lead. Our emotions are meant to be indicators, not dictators. You've got to lead your own emotions. You've got to control your own response. If your emotions are leading you, you usually end up in unhealthy situations. If anger leads, I damage people, I damage things. If fear leads the way, Sometimes I recluse into myself and I miss out on things in life. If lust leads the way, you guys know what happens when lust leads the way. That's why you'll have so many babies sometimes. Anyway, I digress. Yeah, there you go. You're getting it now. It's all right. We're, we're crazy up in this church. Your emotions are like little fires that can quickly rage out of control if you don't properly contain them with your predetermined decisions. They're quick to get out of control. That's like taking the fire out of the fireplace and setting it on, just lighting it up in the middle of your house because there's no boundaries there. Your predetermined decisions are going to be your boundaries. Like you're going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm establishing healthy boundaries before I get into that situation. The problem is some of us fail to establish boundaries at all, and it's like we're building the fire in the middle of our living room and expecting our house to not burn down. There's a reason that your fire is supposed to be contained to the chimney, to the fireplace, 
Because that's the boundary that's going to keep the fire from spreading and being healthy. And there's boundaries that you have to place in your life to keep your emotions from running out of control. And this is called predetermined decisions. So here's three predeterminations that we have to make to deal with crazy makers, all right? Number one, we have to refuse to be offended. Got to refuse to be offended. You can't take everything personally. When people are rude, they're just revealing who they are. They're not revealing who you are. The reality is there's a lot to be offended about in this world, especially right now. Everyone can find something to be offended about. Whether it's injustice, it's poverty, it's racism, it's exploitation of sex. There's so many things that you could be offended about in life. Even more like if they don't have my political views, if maybe they say something on Facebook that just turns you the wrong way. But emotional and spiritual maturity is demonstrated by how you treat others who mistreat you. One key to your happiness, okay, is to not be so thin-skinned. Like, get a little, get a little thick skin. Jesus had, a little, Jesus had thick skin. There's a lot of people that said some terrible things to him. And you know what? Like water off a duck's back, just rolling off, rolling off. You need, but you need tough skin. But some of us try to toughen our heart. And that's not how to deal with it. You need tough skin but a tender heart. That's the key. Guard your heart. For everything you do in life flows from it. Tough skin, tender heart. So how do we keep from taking personal offense at difficult people? Consider the source. And then ignore it. <laughs> like, you know who it's coming from. Consider who it is. Say, I don't need, I'm not even engaging in that. That's a mark of maturity in your life. Is to sit there and someone says something that could very possibly hurt your feelings. And you just refuse to let it happen. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 16 says, fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. The wise person, wisdom says, I overlook the insults that are thrown my way. Foolishness says, when an insult is thrown my way, I'm going to fire up. you got to seek to understand because it will make you more understanding. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 11 says, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. There's so much to be said in the Bible about avoiding offense. Your heart is not meant to be offended. Your heart is meant to be free. An offense will weigh it down. So never hold on to hurt. Because resentment doesn't hurt the other person. It's just you. Never hold on to hurt. Guys, here's a question. Is it smart to do bad things? Yes or no? Is it smart to do wrong things? No. So you've got you to gotta understand every sin is irrational. Every hurt that somebody has for you is irrational. It's self-inflicted pain. We often act foolishly without realizing it. Everything that, every, everything that we do wrong is like, you don't ever determine in your mind, you know what, I'm going to go off today. 
I'm going I'm to I'm make today the worst day possible by doing all the wrong things. Nobody says that. And so you have to understand that nobody else means that either. Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Jesus said this. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. It's not going to be on the screens. It's just thrown in my notes. Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Guys, this was why he was being murdered. <laughs> Jesus said, hey, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand this. If, he, if Jesus can say that while he's being murdered, you can say that when somebody talks bad about your macaroni on Thursday, okay? They say, your macaroni's dry. They say, don't eat it then. Not everyone who hurts you realizes it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, this is the key, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Those words, to make allowance, means to bear with, to endure, to be tolerant. Breaking it down real simple, cut them some slack. God forgave you, so you got to forgive other people. Cut them some slack. We've got to refuse to be offended. Number two, we've got to refuse to gossip. Oh, the G word. We've got to refuse to to gossip. And let's admit it, okay? I'll be the first one to stand up here and say, you got we got a crazy maker in our life, and it's almost impossible to not talk about them behind their back. Y'all know it's true. You got somebody that's just messing with you. They're just doing all the wrong things. It, and it feels good to tell somebody, like, did you hear what so-and-so did? Let me tell you what they did. Let me tell you how dumb they are, how stupid. It feels good to talk about them behind their back, but that's not the loving thing to do. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says this, Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Let everything you say be good and be helpful. So what does that say to me? That says that everything that runs through this mouth of mine, I've got to filter it to, through two questions. Is it good? And is it helpful? Sometimes you can say the right things, but it's unhelpful to the person that's hearing it. And sometimes you say the wrong things to the right person too. It has to be good, and it has to be helpful. So you have to be like really careful in your venting, okay? This is something that if you're not careful, your venting will turn into gossip real fast. You're like, but I'm just venting. No, you got to put a guardrail on it, okay? Because um, venting can quickly turn into gossip. You have to have someone that you can talk to, okay? There's like, I'm a big proponent of that. You got to have someone in your life. I have, listen, I've got pastors in my life that I can call right after this service and I can be like, listen, I saw them fall asleep today. If it's you, wake up. I can vent to them. I can say, Listen, I'm dealing with, I'm struggling with this. I'm not feeling good about it. I'm pretty mad about how they reacted today to me. I'm pretty mad about how they talked to me. And I vent to them. You got to have somebody in your life that is there for you. But the difference in venting and gossip is this I'm venting when my intention is to solve something in me, I'm gossiping when my intention is to spread something about someone else. So when we vent, it's got to be for the case of, I want to be free. 
When I vent to somebody, it's because I want to be free, not because I want to spread something about someone else. The last thing in this life that I want to do is dishonor someone else for the sake of building myself up. It's, that's not worth it because you're building a tower that's going to topple one day. Let everything you say be good and helpful. You know why gossip is so destructive? Because it changes somebody's perspective of someone and they can never change it back after that. That's why our words have to be uplifting, have to be life-giving. That's why you should say good things about the people that treat you bad. That's going to change your perspective in a positive way. But the problem with gossip is that once you've heard it, you can never unhear it. And I don't care how good and how big of a person you are, when someone has said something to you about how bad someone else is, you're going to start noticing their faults. You're going to start noticing their flaws. Gossip is so destructive because you, you can cause people's whole, um, people's whole view of, of someone else to be completely upended and destroyed. We've got to refuse to gossip. And then finally, number three... We've got to refuse to engage. Sometimes you just got to refuse to engage. You can't speak reasonably to unreasonable people. You're just going to get frustrated. There's people in your life that you're never going to be on the same page with. And you're just going to have to refuse to engage in their meaningless debates. Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 through 18 is a story that shows Jesus demonstrating this principle. Then the Pharisees, these are like the, the religious leaders of the day, and the Pharisees, they didn't like Jesus very much because like he would stand up on a stage and say stuff like beer in church. You know, like they didn't like it. He would shake up the traditions and but they're the like religious elite, and so they would try to trap him every chance they can get. So then the Pharisees went out and they laid plans to trap Jesus in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. They said, Teacher, they said, we know that, listen, they're trying to butter him up. We know you're a man of integrity, that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. They're trying to butter him up. They're trying to bait him in before they... Drop the hammer. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what's your opinion of this? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, responded this way. You hypocrites, <laughs> why are you trying to trap me? He refused to engage with them. Because there's some things that you're just, no matter how you respond, no matter what you say, it'll be used against you. So there's people in your life that you're just going to have to say, listen, I'm not doing this. I'm not talking anymore. I love you. But until this is fixed, we can't have this conversation. Until, until you stop trying to trap me in my own words, we're not going to be able to talk. It's okay to say that to people. Guys, you're not unchristian. If you establish a healthy boundary in your life with people that every single time they talk to you, they're tearing you down, they're demeaning you, they're, they're, they're treating you in ways that you shouldn't be treated. There's nothing unchristian about stepping away. Give yourself some space. Make a boundary there. 
you can't talk people out of positions that they didn't arrive at logically anyway. And just like Jesus, there's this guy named Paul in the Bible. He wrote uh, three quarters of your New Testament. So he's a guy that we need to listen to. He refused to play games with these crazy makers too. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2 says this. We reject all shameful and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone. We don't try to distort the word of God. We tell the truth. And all who are honest know it. He said, hey, I'm refusing to engage with these people. Like, we're not doing anything wrong. I'm not engaging with them. I'm not having that argument again. We're not talking about this same thing this year that we talked about. We're not going to do it because I refuse to engage. If you're an employer, if you're, you maybe you own a business or you have a, uh, people that work for you, disharmony destroys productivity. I'm going to give you the permission to do this. Guys, fire the people that are starting the arguments. Get rid of the quarrelsome people. <laughs> and do it quick because it's contagious. The rest of your team deserves a peaceful environment. Guys, you owe it to them as a leader. I owe it to my team as a leader if, if we had somebody, and thank God we don't, that every time that we all got together, they just started arguing, debating. They wanted to tear every idea down. Nobody here gets paid, but I'd fire them anyway <laughs> because I owe it to my team. You owe it, you owe it to your team. And you know what? You owe it to yourself to not engage in those relationships. There's people that they just, they get their kicks off of trying to make you fall. And you know those people. There's a difference between those people and the people that do it unintentionally. You know those people. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 10 says this, Throw out the mocker and you'll be rid of, of tension, fighting, and quarrels. Tell them to hit the road, throw them out. But you have to be the bigger person. You've got to be the bigger person here. We refuse to engage. In a battle, the high ground is the hardest to take. It's a, it's a hard fight to get up on top of the hill. But once you're up there, you've got a vantage point of everything. So you've got to take the high road. You've got to get to the high ground. You can't control how others think of you or say about you or what they do. But you have 100% control of how you respond. Romans chapter 12, verse 14, one of, the, one of the hardest passages in the Bible. And this comes really, the idea of, of this, of Romans 12, comes directly from Jesus' first sermon. On, it's called the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible because it's the one that I deal with the most. Like, I get convicted every single time that I, I read it. But Romans chapter 12, it points back to that. Verse 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That means the people that are coming against you, the people that are talking bad about you, the people that even intend to hurt you. Jesus says, Bless them. That's the key to, that's the key too also to, uh, to make sure you're not offended. Because if you can pray for somebody... 
If you can say good things about somebody, it's impossible to get offended by that person. The people that treat you bad, the tre- people that, that at work <laughs> that are just the worst, the Bible says bless them. Bless them who persecute you. They mean evil. That's all right. Find a way to do something good for them. Do good things for them. Speak good things about them. Romans chapter 12, going on verse 17 and 18, says, Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Hey, sometimes it's not possible. But if it is, don't repay evil for evil. They hurt you, don't hurt them back. They said bad things about you, don't say bad things back. Instead, if it's possible, live at peace with every person. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.